immediacy the minute it hits my stomach I'm like I have to poo is that because you got IBS I think it's to do with fruit like I'm really bad with it I can eat fruit normally you're really good at eating like I, I don't mean fruit. like you're so good at no, eating fruit I, I mean like fruit. you eat it I quite regularly fruit. but if I blend fruit I'm like right here we go orange juice makes me shit well orange juice now depending on how much but I think I've me. grown I've developed like a tolerance to them all because I I have a smoothie like every yeah, day. Yeah, you drink a lot of them. Um, and I, I love a juice. You know me. I love a juicy I juice. Can't, man. I wish I could. I wish I could drink juices. But I know if I go for like breakfast and I order orange juice, You'll have halfway to through my poop. breakfast, I have to go poo. And it just kind of ruins the whole, I just want to eat my breakfast. I mm. don't want shit. Yeah. And I have to deal with that and then go on. But you know what I mean? Well, welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish. Right, where we talk about our own movements again. <laughs> Apologies. My next, my mom and dad's next door neighbor said to me today that they started listening to the podcast and I was like, please stop. And then they were like, <laughs> I know more about your bowel movements yeah. than Graham does. The and old, I was like, the old bowel movements. Yeah, like. probably. But I was like, that was always something my family always, my mom always just has this line about me where she'd be like, how do you manage to talk about shy so much? Yeah. Oh my god, that's very We always not. We always manage to as well. Shouldn't it happen? Everybody shits. Everybody. That's what, that's what I always say about famous people. We put famous people on really, like, you know what I mean? Like, really, really tall pedestals. And I'm like, everybody shits. during the day goes, I have to go take a dump. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Unless there's something wrong with their belly. Like, Sir Ben Kingsley has to shit. He's Sir. Yeah. Yeah. It's just people that we look up to, like really, you know, really hot people. And like, just imagine them taking a massive dump yeah. and it'll knock them right down like to par. You at know? some point in the day, they go and take a big yeah. old dump. Yeah. yeah. Like. That's, a, that's what I always think. I'm like, and they're like idolizing people. I'm like, at some point they're like squeezing one out. The dogs have been brought out for a walk and they're trying to kill everybody around them. Why? I don't know. The two girls the are hyper. just at each other's throats all day. Oh, really? No, they're just like. You can, like, Lucille is just trying to bother Cookie. Oh, Lucille, come on. Yeah, like, she kept biting her back paw today. Like, Cookie was asleep on the sofa, and she was just on her back paw like this the whole time, and I was like, leave her alone! (laughs) Just leave her alone! Leave her alone! And Cookie was just like, Is she live a hyper or something? Yeah, but they've both been walked, so I don't know, but they're gone for another walk now. It's Lily, Lily and Graham together, are they? Lily and Graham, Cookie, Lucille, and Ollie, all out for a walk. Ollie's done about at least six shits on the way here. Yeah, he shits a lot. He's losing his mind, but he keeps pooing in the house. And he keeps looking at me when he's doing it. Oh, no. And then he's like, what? What are you going to ask me for? I didn't do anything. It's not my shit. He never, he did not poo once there. Not once. He was so good. He didn't poo, he didn't pee. And I would have been in work from like nine and then I come over from lunch at one and then I got gone again from two to half five and he was just, you know, so good. He slept for most of it, like... Um, and then I realised when I was putting him on the bed and then I left one day and I was like, oh, he can't get off the bed. He but can, then if he I can. put him down, he can't get back up no, on the bed. No, he can. It just takes him a little while. Um, so at one point I put down um, a little blanket for him. I put it on the ground because I thought maybe he'd be more comfortable there, but he wasn't. He was not happy with that. Oh, he just cried? He was like, no, on the bed. So I was like, okay. okay. You little loaf of bread. A little loaf of bread. hoosh him up onto the bed. Um, see, Kanye West has been banned from Twitter. For what? anti-Semitic remarks oh okay yeah I saw that uh, that was coming yeah, yeah. it's abandoned he's gone his account's gone off Twitter and what about Instagram is he still on Instagram I don't know I think it's only Twitter that's hooked him out for anti-Semitic remarks is what they said you see and this is the thing about that he has so many followers so there's people that are on Twitter making anti-Semitic remarks that have like 20 followers this guy has millions of followers people yeah. are going to report you you yeah. fucking dumbass um, oh well fair play for them actually making that they did it 
Because on Elon Musk buys it, that won't be happening. Uh, no, he's still on Instagram. And... <clears throat> What's he doing now? I would just... If I was... I would be... If I, I'd just be lawyering up if he was saying anything about me. I'd be like, we're doing defamation of character, sir. Who's Tremaine? Tremaine? Uh, no, is he just posting screenshots of text messages? Screenshots of text messages. He is so mentally ill. This is an abbreviated version of me and Tremaine's conversation this morning. Who's Tremaine? Uh, oh, that's the that's the um the lady who works for Vogue. That he's oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's odd to watch this this pan out and go ahead because he, he so obviously surrounds himself with people that are refusing to make him take any accountability for what he's doing, and anybody that does, I'm sure he just fired them. Like, I don't know where his PR people are. I don't even know if he has PR people. Like, it's I insane. Ju- it's insane. And now he's being anti-Semitic. I'm nearly 100% sure he's doing all this because he has a new fashion line out. And this is PR. For him. I genuinely feel like he's doing that for that reason. But also because he's a genuinely terrible human being. Is, is, is Kanye West's dad still around? I have no idea. For the first time in 45 years, I made my super educated former Black Panther father proud. And by the way, Dad, there's an NPC trying to pick on me. What should I do? And then it's just a screenshot of his dad saying, White Lives Matter. Ja, ja, ja. Okay, I mean, he makes sense now from his father. But the whole thing is a mess. Like, get a grip in your fucking lies. Anyway, Kanye West is gone from Twitter. Well, that's a blessing. A blessing. That's a little blessing there. Get him. Uh, it'd be great if he could be off all social all media platforms and, and in a media hospital. outlets could like being stop interviewing him because he needs mental properly. health care. And like the frustrating thing about that is, I remember when he was married to that other fucking idiot, and when he was acting up, and she was on in online because people were like, "There's something wrong with him," and she was online going, "Kenny doesn't have any mental illnesses. He's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with him." Man is bipolar too, and yeah. you were on the internet lying about it. Yeah. Because tells- obviously you didn't want some for some fucked up reason. You thought that made you look bad because you're a fucking narcissist. Like, because everybody was like, when he married her, I was like, it's two narcissists marrying each other. What do you think is going to happen here? It's going mm. to implode. Like, but yeah, he needs to get off. Just get off. Just go to hospital. Go to hospital. Just go get help. You need help. Like, and it, but it doesn't justify this. No, no, no amount of mental illness. No amount of mental illness doing, like. justifies. Uh, they, need, they need to get him into a hospital or they need to get him medicated. Like, he's clearly not medicated. Oh, 100%. He couldn't possibly be. If no. he is medicated, then that's even worse. Yeah, right? These are his actual beliefs. Yeah. But I know he's doing a lot of this for attention. Like, he's like, he's like a child, he's like a teenager. He's saying the most outlandish shit that he can possibly say to get backlash. Yeah. Because all media is good media like he's still getting all the attention but he's an idiot moron and people are he's a genius no he's not um, no no he's just a moron mm. but anyway fuck these rich people fuck them all I don't have that money so and if I did I always say this if I was a millionaire or billionaire I simply would not be on the internet simply I would be on a boat is Bill Gates on the internet uh, yeah I think he's Twitter but I don't think it's him Okay. You know, one of those yeah, accounts yeah. where it's like... That's meg, what I do. The mega rich are just like, yeah. Bill, uh, hey hey guys, I read this book today, but that's not him. I get it. He's too busy riding all the women behind his wife's ex-wife's back, so... Oh, you'd have divorced now, right? Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Because uh, everybody's like, oh my God, I'm so shocked. I was like, are we doing? 
He's a man with a lot You were of really money. shocked by the nerdy man mm. who got lots and lots of money and fame fucking everything with a pulse. Did he fuck? What's the backstory? Well, he was what sexu- do you know? Well, apparently he, he, the company paid off people because he was sexually harassing women <gasps> in the workplace. And that's where it all kind of kicked off. Just This is for the Reddit people who are like, I hate fake gas. Shit, they that hate a fake gas. gas. They hate a fake gas. <laughs> Nobody is shocked by this. Anybody that would be shocked by this, I'm like, have you met a man? Also, have you met a high-powered man? Who like clearly got like, no he looks, pussy in his life. And he looks like the um the tortoise from Oh my god he does. Doesn't he? Uh what's that thing? I can't remember the name of it. But he looks like that tortoise with the glasses. I can't remember. I know that's exactly what he looks like to me every time I see him. He's in fucking Robin Hood. You know Robin Yeah. yeah. That's what he looks like. Robin Hood. The, do, 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 the animated, do, do, yeah, the animated Robin. Whenever do, I see him I'm like, Oh, it looks exactly do, do, like that. Do, do, that tortoise with the glasses from Robin yes. Hood. Um but yeah, apparently he was sexually harassing women in Microsoft. And then, obviously they paid off because this pay off everybody. Shock her. And then she found out, I think, that he had been having an affair. Melinda Gates, is that her name? Melinda. Melinda. Yeah, she found out that he'd been having an affair and then she was like, no, bye-bye, I'm going. You know what she did when she, she left him? Island. Fucking rented out an entire island. island. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that money. Imagine. Like, that is insane to me. Being like, I'm in a really bad mood. I'm going to rent an island with like. my four, like with four of her friends. And we're like, what did I do with all this money? I watched a clip of a lady who was jilted at the altar. Oh, no. Yeah. This her, recent? Yeah. Her husband, like, was like, knock, didn't come. And uh, she decided to have the party anyway. Good for her. So her bridesmaids like came to like where the ceremony was going to be on and, and we're like listen it's not going to happen he isn't coming um on the wedding day. on the wedding day all of the guests were there like all of the guests were his family there yes um and oh, we're like but girl. she doesn't want to see all this money go to waste and she still that's fair enough like wants you to enjoy your day and have your dinner so she and had, she like, wants a she, had a, party. she had a party um yeah. Did she keep it together? Yeah. She wow. She keep it together. She was like, yeah, she was really strong. But yeah, I watched this whole thing where she was talking about it and I was like, what an amazing, brave thing to do. Because I think I just... Oh, most people would just fall apart. Mm. I wondered, I I wondered if his family stay. I wondered if they stay or do they go. Because I think that would be way... Because it's not their fault, but they automatically become the enemy because they're his family. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like... I would murder there would be no party yeah. and I would murder Graham I would make him pay for everything like murder I would be like you can just give me back all of this Everybody's money everything's paid for anyway I know but I'm like you need to give me back all of this money now because we did not get married yeah. so you're paying me back and she was like that was she said the saddest bit wasn't the like wedding not going ahead she was like this life that I had planned wasn't going ahead she was like that was the saddest and thing. did she say that he had like Ish. given any inclination that he wasn't going to no. on the wedding so it just ended like a, you do hear people being like on the wedding day I knew I shouldn't have married her oh yeah but I shouldn't have married you know the him. way that they jilted at the altar thing is very much like a movie trope or a TV yeah, yeah. trope she my nanny jilted yeah, a man yeah. at the altar but to hear it in real life like yeah. and you bought everything you were in your dress in your dress I wonder if he did no oh, well if he was if it was me yeah I'd oh, be in prison man the poor girl yeah <gasps> fuck that guy Fuck him. Like, I understand he clearly didn't want to go ahead with it, but mate, to do, you fucking coward to do it on the wedding day, like. 
He knew before the wedding day. Clearly he knew the wedding day the wasn't this great big like, oh shit, I don't want to do yeah, this. Yeah, tell her like... Do you want to hear another scandal? Go on. El Scandaloso. El Scandaloso. Uh, my dad's friend, on the day of his wedding, when he walked down the aisle to his bride, yeah, the chief bridesmaid standing beside his bride was pregnant with his child. Shut up. Like, deadly serious. Did they get, they got married though? Yeah, and like, it didn't come out until like year, like they were together for years. And then it came out and he has like, I think something ridiculous, like 17 or 18 other kids all over the place. Like, one of the kids had to find all of the other kids because she was concerned about like... Meeting a man and being like, we're yeah, brother and sister. Yeah, and then also just like being like, I'd like to know my family. Of course. So she got everybody together, but he had like, throughout their marriage had like, multiples of affairs but yeah on his wedding day walked down and the lady standing behind beside his wife was pregnant with his child her best friend how would you fucking like how do you do that how do you do how do you do that how do you live that double life that's what I'd like to know that's it and I often wonder where they get where do they get the time where do you get the time but also I often think now because of like 23andMe and all those websites coming up a lot of men who were sleeping around are going to, and got away with it for a very long time, are going to find themselves royally fucked when their random kids start turning up yeah. and going, hey, you know you're my dad. Yeah, and yeah. also, here's all the siblings. Because yeah. I found them all. Because it's like, already started to happen, like, that people are like, oh, that's actually my father. And then I have all these other links. And yeah. all like my brothers and sisters because he was fucking from some older women behind my wife's back. Like, so buckle up, boys. I just thought, like, I coming. that story, it's like, what... Imagine calling causing someone that much pain, like that. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking about. Man, I couldn't do that. Like, imagine how would you just sleep at night? But you see, a lot of people that do shit like that, though, they convince themselves that it's okay because they're in love or they want to be with the person. Like you know, Prue from fucking Great British Bake Off. Yeah. So I was there was an article today, and I was just getting through it, and she was married as having an affair. With her mother's best friend's husband for 13 years behind the woman's back. Her mother's best friend. And then eventually it all came out and she married him. What? And they had a kid together and then adopted another kid. And she was like, I, I don't feel like I need to apologize. She was like, I know it was underhanded and deceitful, but I loved him and that's all that mattered. Bitch! What? The fuck? You were seeing you having an affair with him for 13 years. Yeah? Proof from that. And then apparently she wrote a book and she told this awful story as well about her mother making her drowned a bag of kittens when she was Yeah. It's like the fuck Yeah, and she said she thought about Why? it. Why? Why was she why was she I just taught Seamus Heaney when I read yeah. it. Like, but that's like, some fucking psychopath behaviour. Like, why would you make your kid do that? Yeah. But yeah, just when I read that today, I was like, I'm sure like I don't feel I, ne- I never felt bad. I was like, mm, you probably should have. Yeah, and no, I should. I think you should have. Like, like I just loved him completely and I was like, okay, maybe shut up. <laughs> yeah, stop. Your mom's best friend's husband. How do your parents go to that wedding? And then she was like, and we're all still very close. It's family. We're all very close. I'm like, no, Prue. That woman, is that we, woman still alive? I don't know if she's still alive. I doubt it because her mother's passed away, I'm sure. Yeah, Prue, Prue was Prue old. ancient. Yeah, so her mom is dead. But doesn't sister. look it. But her it's husband's insane. dead. He died as well. <clears throat> He's dead now. He was Obviously, older than her. he was a lot older than yeah. her. Because it was his mom's best friend's husband. Because when I started is... the story, it was like, she had an affair with a man. I was like, and then I, when I read the line... Her mother's best friend's opposite. <laughs> what the fuck? Brew! Whoa. You know who wouldn't do that? 
Now I say I that now. I say that now. Mary Berry was married okay. very faithfully to a to and had a very. I I watch Mary Berry's uh, cooking show. Mary Berry would do no wrong. And she always talks about like her husband and is her he family. Alive? I think Mary Berry's husband said, "I'm going to check. I'm nearly well, she's sure she's practically is. just. So I'm sure he's gone. I always look at her hands when she's cooking, and they stress me out. Why? Whenever she's picking up heavy pots, I'm like, Mary, no. Oh, she's such a delicate little woman. <laughs> um, she has she? arthritis in her in her hands, and um. Her, her hands don't like they're kind of like uh like Bill you know Bill Nye you know that actor yeah. her hands kind of are like that oh okay. and yeah she I'd be like she's someone help her with that skillet don't be letting her pick up like, fucking pots and pans by herself lads yeah I'd be like leave her alone. I love whoever does her fake eyelashes she always looks great oh hang on is he still alive yeah he's still alive yeah incredible good man Paul. Uh, I don't think we've anything else no, going on. We haven't, but we have to tell you that uh, we are doing a special episode today. Oh yeah, today's episode is special. It's ninety nine point five. I got a ninety nine point five problems, bitch. Um, yes, that's this week's episode. It's a special because we're working on the one hundred episode, um, which is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do, yeah. and that's going to be out next Wednesday. Yes. So whilst we're working on that, we're putting out this week's episode, and this week's episode is a story that uh, Colin did on the Patreon. It was over two weeks. It was recorded with all three of us together, um, and that story is the story of Jim Jones. Um, and it's really fucking good. It's great, Colin did. Um, like, did an I think actually, when you hear this story, if you're not a Patreon person, it might make you want to get Colin to do this podcast more often. Yeah. Um, because it was so good, and I learned a ton <laughs> on it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And actually, we were going to do a different story, but I text Colin to be like that Jim Jones story that yeah, you did, did on the Patreon was he like did phenomenally a good. Job on it, yeah. Um, and also just tons of clips in it that we can use. Yes, yeah. it's news archive. Um, and on the Patreon. Colin, because it's on the Patreon and it's paid for and it's private, Colin has the capabilities of putting stuff like that on yeah. it. Um, so this is for the people who are not on Patreon. They can have a little snippet of like what the Patreon is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just to keep you guys going for uh, episode 100, um, because that's going to be a little bit different. Yes. And that's really what this week's episode is going to be about. Yes. And... Um I was going to say something else. I, I have remember. a really Anyways. funny story to tell that someone wrote on Facebook. Oh. And if you're not on a Facebook group, it's not our group. It's run by like people. Lovely people. Uh, but this story just made me laugh so fucking much. What was it about? Uh, I'm going to read it out now because honestly, I fucking couldn't stop laughing. Just got to the bit where they're talking about the ringworm and the cure. So like Roisin McGettigan is the lady's name. Okay. When I was young, I had a sus- I had a suspected brain tumour. Oh, fuck. My grandma went to the holiest place in Ireland, which is Knock, and got two gallons of holy water blessed by the priest. Every day for two months, I was made swallow this holy water before bed. Anyway, went back to the doctor and it turns out it was a misdiagnosis and I had something else completely different and, and not that at all. Grandma was absolutely convinced it was the blessed holy water that oh, made it God. go away. Sure, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. P.S. The holy water tastes exactly exactly like what you would think it might. Arse. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone put below it say a lady called Caroline. She wrote, I swear by knock as well. My niece had bad scoliosis and when she was young, the only surgery that would apparently resolve it. Um... Oh, that only surgery would apparently resolve. Her mammy took her to knock and a miracle ensued. Defied all medical professional opinions and prognosis. 
I don't know if she had to drink any holy arse water though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've had heard about it, but sure look, if it does the job. Um, and it just made me laugh so much. But the holy arse water is what I holy want to call this week's episode. Holy arse water, great name. Holy arse holy water arse is water, just. We're gonna call it. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> you just made me laugh so much all day. I've been laughing about holy arse water. Um, went See, to my other first... people go for the cure. Other people go. Other people sent us a whole lot of screenshots of like. Um, this woman sent me a screenshot of like a list of people who do specific cures in Ireland, like a directory. And she this was like, amazing. sorry, Sarah, no ear. There was no one there There's that no did ears. ears. Mom didn't know anyone either. Yeah. Did ears. You want to know why? Why? It's not going to work for your fucking ear because it's in your head. That's it. They can't, they can't prove it. Um, yeah, it just made me laugh so much. I and love then, that loads of people go for cures. I know, it, like, not for things like cancer. Yeah, like Steve Jobs. Just go for like, you know, a wart on my finger. Or ringworm. See what happens. Not, I have a terminal illness. Yeah. Drink this arse water. See what happens. <laughs> like no, but it's mad that the people, especially older people. Sure. What's the one at Lourdes? My Lourdes, nanny used to go to Lourdes all yeah, the time. Yeah, people love going to Lourdes. I actually, did I tell you the story about the guy James that I work with? No. This story is fucking hilarious. Did he go to Lourdes? He got made go to Lourdes when he was younger with his mom and his granny. Yeah. And his mom is quite religious. And he said, and I went. He said it was fine. Yeah. He said, he said I I remember it being like a really hot day. He said my grandmother was in a wheelchair, right? But she could walk, but she was in a wheelchair because like you're obviously moving, like doing loads of walking and in learns. Mm. And he said, um, he said when they got somewhere, there was no like it was like near the shrine or something. He, his grandmother got up and went to the shrine, and he sat in her wheelchair. And <laughs> oh no. Know, he fun. said then like later on when people like uh, like everybody came back to him he said he was only like a teenager like between the ages of 13 and 15 right. no older he said he stood up and people were like oh it's my a miracle god. like cause he said he walked back to the bus and people were on the bus being like oh my god like look at you and he was like and he said I was so embarrassed I just went with it well, yeah. he was like yeah it's a miracle. look at me like and I was like James. Oh my god! It made me laugh so much. I was like, "It's a great story." Isn't it weird though? Because like, you know, the Madonna's daughter is is called Lourdes. Yeah. Like, which way is the right pronunciation? I think it's Lourdes. Lourdes. Well, that's the way Irish people. Yeah, we always say Lourdes. And like, there was always like once a year, everybody <coughs> getting a fucking bus and go to Lourdes. Went to Lourdes. Like, Had a great time. And you know, put the money together and they used to, to Lourdes. Used to do it in my village as well. Yeah. Like, everybody used to go to. Lourdes. My grandmother used to go to Lourdes yeah. all the time. Not all the time. Once a year she'd go. I remember her had like severe crippling rheumatoid arthritis yeah, yeah, yeah. before there was any real treatment for it and um, died from like the medical treatment of her rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. But she was in like, she was on like morphine for like Fuck. the best part of her treatment. She was just getting people addicted to oh, yeah, the she was absolutely kind of drugs, right? Yeah, she was, she was also a cunt before that but yeah. then after it made that it, it was like it much worse because she was constantly like jonesing for fucking drugs. Jesus. Like, yeah, she was she was a most unpleasant woman. Oh, God. Well, her I mean, moods were super up and down. I'm, everybody else disagrees with me. My mom will be like, oh, I miss her so much. And then she'll tell me stories. And I'm like, yeah. why? No. Like, why no. do you miss her? No. Like, what I just see a thing. My grandmother, Annie. Um, I seen a thing today where someone was like, if you would get $2 million if you put your mom in jail, would you do it? And this guy was it's like a... Uh, Stitch with like on TikTok and he was like immediately yes immediately <laughs> he was like immediately yes and he was like I do it I do it for free like, <laughs> immediately go to jail like, it's like yeah, those things like would you punch your boss for 50 grand and people are like I do it for a dollar <laughs> a dollar and I would punch him in the face um, repeatedly <laughs> um, but yeah I think that's probably everything and as Sarah said if I press said, this button 
and I get free cable. <laughs> someone's, gonna... <laughs> someone's gonna die. I press the button. <laughs> One time I saw my grandparents having sex and I didn't look away. <laughs> I love Thurry Rock. I know it's problematic. I know there's Put a lot of chips on a sandwich. Yeah, Put potato I chips a lot on a sandwich. Going on with Thurry Rock and the people. I fucking love that show. That show is so good. You know they're still gonna re- they're gonna make that Rust sh- movie that the one that Alec Baldwin shot that woman. Yeah, they're still fucking making yeah, that. He settled. Yo. He settled. No, he settled with the family. Yeah, he killed somebody. He shot somebody. He has thirteen children. Like, thirteen purebred Spanish children <laughs> that he has to look after. <laughs> and a Spanish wife and a Spanish wife and Hilaria Baldwin he, she named re- a child Hilaria I'm not even joking she named the child Hilaria she's just what? it's amazing Baldwin. what a young vagina will do to a man oh my fucking god she was like hey uh, I'm pretend Spanish also I am 27 now and you want to have 55 children yeah. so I'll get all your money when you eventually die mm. very soon and like. he's like sure sure like that time she was on the show. She was like, what did they word for him? What is this in English? Yeah. And people are like, it's so funny when people are taking the piss out of her, all her like fangirls are in the comments going, yeah, teach kindness. Stop being bullies. I'm like, what the fuck? This bitch has spent her life pretending to be Spanish. She to be Spanish. Where she forgot, was pretending to forget English words. Yeah. But yeah. That's everything. I wanna know where you go when we're uh, down in Tokyo. But I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Colin did a great job on it. And then uh, we'll be back next week with uh, something that Sarah said, something a little bit different. And a little bit different. Yeah, and, uh, right, really <coughs> nice week. We'll uh, see you if next you can, week. don't listen to Kanye. If you can. Don't listen to him, he's shy. Uh, also, just... Sarah's down on the Patreon but just to say uh, the people of Donegal the people of Donegal fuck man book of condolences is open in Dublin today we're so sorry we're like, really sorry it's Jesus. so sad there was like I, re- I read a thing where um, this uh, husband and daughter oh, went to get her a birthday cake I saw that and they, t- they still don't know yeah they still don't know what caused the explosion but the, the thinking is that it was a gas explosion. gas explosion but just to say to the people of Donegal we're I know the entire county. We're all mourning for you, but I know that county is a mourning because Donegal is so tiny. So tiny. It's such a little place. Um, There's a GoFundMe up as well for um, the survivors the of the, fam- the families, um, of the, the victims. Of, I cannot speak. The f- victims' families. Um, so, yeah, um, we're thinking of yeah, you all we are. we are um if you can't and even i know there's a virtual book of condolences as well oh, is there yeah okay, like, i think that's a nice thing to do and to let all the people who all know that we're like we're thinking them, of them we're thinking of them um thank you all so much for supporting us to yes. get to 99.5 episodes um we really appreciate it <laughs> this week's patreon is an mmi drive episode yes, it is. um so, if you like this week's episode, join the Patreon. If you can't join the Patreon, that's totally fine. We totally get it. Cost of living crisis is fucking atrocious. And if you just don't want to give a six euro because you think we're shit, yeah, that's totally enough. fine too. We are not mad at you. We get it. We get it. Um, I wouldn't give us six euro. I completely understand. Your I would take it back. Yeah. Um, but thank you all so much. We do really, really appreciate yeah. it. And we hope everybody has a great week. Colin week. did a great job in this week's episode. He did. He did. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Emma and Sarah are friends. Talking murder and they don't like men. With Colin too, we're all pals at the Patreon. So if you want exclusive.
Most Irish Patreon is filmed in front of a death cat in Ballyfermis. Uh, so yes, um, we wanted to do a cult story for a while. This is one of the mother of all cult stories, uh, and for that reason, we are doing another twofer. Uh, anyone who is familiar with what we did with the Am- Amityville horror story uh, will know. Split it up into two. Um and uh, we're we're gonna do the the build up and then we're gonna do the uh, the 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 murders. So this is essentially how uh, Jim Jones got into the position of being you know a cult leader and setting it up for something. So for are we all ready? We're ready. Y'all ready? Okay, here we go. So this is uh, the story of the Jonestown massacre. Who's Willa Mae Connolly? What sensation about me? Did you once lose a loved one? I think the name of James. Yes, that's my brother. He was 14 years of age. And someone, he was reading something. And someone asked him for what he had. And he, re- he didn't want to give it. Yes, and that's, he did. That, that person shot him to death. Yes, he did. I'm saying, I'm saying this to give you faith yes. so that you can mount up because you've been feeling pain here in the chest yes. and in the back yes. and you injured your foot some time ago and yes, you've been having constant pain in it or you had to move around with a chair. Yes, I did. I do not know you and you've told me or no one else the things I just mentioned. No, Is that you sure haven't. Now, where's your pain? I guess it does really take a licking and keep on ticking. That was the kind of gallows humour used on the day of November 18th, 1978, as a watch ticked away on the cold wrist of one of the many, many corpses discovered amidst the sweltering heat at the compound of the People's Temple Agricultural Project, a remote settlement in Guyana, South Africa. Cracking jokes of this nature uh, was all that the members of the US cleanup crew could do to distract themselves from the ghastly horrors they found when they arrived at this plot of agricultural land known to the locals as Jonestown. In total, 918 US citizens lay dead before them. Shockingly, over 300 of them were children. Media at the time would describe the shocking scene as a mass suicide, though the general consensus nowadays is that this was a massacre. And the man responsible rested on a pillow in the central area of the pavilion where a stage was erected. He too was dead, dispatched by what coroners deduced to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. His name was Jim Jones, Reverend of the People's Temple Cult. So, folks, in this uh, story, we're going to break down the life and crimes of Jim Jones into two parts. Today, 
we will be looking at the early life and his early motivations. So what led him to become the type of man that could conjure up such radical belief in people? Uh, and we'll also look at the formation of the People's Temple and Jones's well-deserved reputation as a racial freedom fighter. And we're going to look at the cracks that we're beginning to show in the facade. So this, when I was doing this, I was really, really shocked by the amount of good work yeah. that this guy had done. Especially within like the African-American community. Oh my God. Like it's really, it's really, uh, really eye-opening mm -hmm. and it's not at all what I expected. No. So it's very, very, it's very, very interesting. Uh, and there's a couple of little, like, when I was just going through his childhood and going through like his influences and stuff, there was a certain, certain times where I was like, oh, here we go. And then it just kind of reverses and flips. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'll point, I'll point those out to you when we're going, but I think it's a really, really interesting story. And I, I think, uh, uh, you're going to enjoy this one. So uh, we're going to start with his uh, younger life now and kind of work our way through. So Jim Warren Jones had a rough upbringing. His father, James, was a disabled ex-military man whose lungs were severely damaged by a chemical gas attack during World War I. His mother had to keep the family afloat and was, as a result, often, often neglectful of Jim. In 1934, when Jim was only three years old, his family were evicted from their home and made to live in a subhuman shack with no plumbing and at times even had to forage for food. So really, really, really rough upbringing. Mm. Uh, with his father frequently in hospital and his mother working out of the house, Jim would often stay with relatives and neighbours uh, when he wasn't at school. One of these neighbours, Myrtle Kennedy developed a, a special bond with the young boy. Oh, Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs> Myrtle, mommy and daddy are away. Myrtle. So anyway, Myrtle was the wife of a local pastor and she gave Jim his first Bible and taught him the holiness code of the Nazarene church. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> well, this is only the tip of the of the iceberg as regards religious bullshit and this. So, um, although many pitied the child for his poor upbringing, people found Jim to be unusual and his behaviour to be often to be disturbing. He was obsessed with religion and death, and it said that he would imitate the pastor delivering funeral funeral services. So immediately, I was like fucking Harold and Maud. This chap is. Yeah, very you Harold know, and Maud. Very Harold and Maud. So I kind of like I have in my head like Bud Court in in Harold and Maud for mm -hmm. for Jim Jones. Uh, he would also act out in other ways, which I thought this was hilarious. He would also act out in other ways, stealing from local stores and bizarrely greeting friends and neighbors with profanities like "Good morning, you son of a bitch," or "Hello, you dirty old bastard." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so it was a, it was an oddball. He was an oddball. Uh, clearly, Jim's disrupted early life had an extremely negative effect on his development. He became angry at the world as he struggled to accept his supposed lot in life. So this was a kid. He grew up. His father was uh, was very badly disabled. His mother was never in the house. He was neglected. Um, he was he was obsessed with religion. It's all you know the usual starting blocks for, for stories like this. Commenting on his childhood, Jones stated, I was ready to kill by the end of the third grade. I mean, I was so aggressive and hostile, I was ready to kill. Nobody gave me love or any understanding. In those days, a parent was supposed to go with a child to school functions. 
There was some kind of school performance and everyone's parents were there but mine. I was standing there alone. I was always alone, which is sad and very, mm. very um, uh, explains a lot about what he would strive for in his yeah. later life. So to disrupt the isolation, he felt Jim would read anything he could find. He would borrow stacks of books from the local library and spend hours upon hours just digesting knowledge. And from his studies, Jones developed an intense interest in religion, religious and social doctrines. Now, this is where I was like, OK, here we go. Uh, he became obsessed with the works of Hitler, Joseph Stalin, uh, Karl Marx and Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, he would... Uh, he would chastise his peers for carrying out immoral, immoral acts like dancing, drinking alcohol, and in particular, hated all acts of racism. So this is a guy who read all of these books, read Mein Kampf, and his takeaway was that racism was wrong, yeah. which in some ways is, is an amazing thing to think. Yeah, to yeah. come out of that yeah. and be like, well, yeah, this is not right. And that's, that's like very atypical, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I, when, I, when I read Hitler, I was like, oh, here we go. This is the start of it, but... Uh, definitely surprised me by his reaction to it. Uh, he began to work at the local Richmond Hospital, and in the winter of 1948, he moved to Bloomington, Indiana, where he attended uh, Indiana University. During his time at university, Jones was impressed by a speech uh, which Eleanor Roosevelt delivered about the plight of African Americans, and he began to outwardly uh, show support for communism and other radical political views. In 1951, the 20-year-old Jones began attending gatherings of the Communist Party USA in Indianapolis. So fervent was his support uh, that he and his wife, Marceline, which is a lovely name, uh, and even his mother came under scrutiny for the, from the FBI. So they were actually, they were actually investigated because of their, their supposed communist ties and uh, kind of radical thoughts. Yeah, because they were working with the Black Panthers and the FBI wanted Black Panthers gone. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, because he was unable to outwardly re- preach Marxism, uh, Jones ended up with a plan to infiltrate the church and use that platform to spread his own beliefs. So in early 1952, Jones announced to his wife and her family that he was going to become a Methodist minister since he believed the church was ready to put real socialism into practice. Uh, his time in the Methodist church was eventful. He received great praise for opening a playground for children of all races in 1952. He was declared a prophet by a Pentecostal woman at a rally in 1953 and drew a large crowd of Pentecostals to his Methodist church as they believed this prophecy of this woman, that this guy was a, was, was a representative of God and that he was a prophet. After all of this, Jones was then dismissed from the Methodist church from stealing funds in 1954. So he goes from he goes from a pastor to a prophet to a thief. Uh, Jones would claim that the accusations of thefts were made up by high-ranking Methodists who objected to Jones welcoming black people into the congregation. Uh, and there's a pattern here that uh, develops because every time you'll see Jones uh, get you know kind of either caught out or accused of being caught out with something, he kind of blames racism and he blames uh, them not liking him you know, standing up for black people as a reason for him getting kicked out of these places. Uh, So him and his wife became full-on Pentecostals after leaving the Methodist church, just as the the woman at the rally had prophesied. 
Uh, he identified with the latter rain movement and became heavily involved in healing revivals. This led Jones to leave and establish a new church, which he called the Wings of Healing. The church only attracted 20 members at first, and he was not able to financially support uh, his vision. So um, kind of from this and from this f- failed first attempt at a church, he needed to start, he started to think up ways that he could get funds and drum up publicity for his church. He he said, church needs publicity, church needs money uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, get off the ground. So Jones began to be closely associated with the Independent Assemblies of God, or the IAOG, an international group of churches which embraced the latter rain movement. The IAOG had few requirements for ordaining ministers, and they were also accepting of divine healing practices. So these guys were accepting of all of this evangelist stuff. In June 1955, Jones held his first joint meeting with William Branham a healing evangelist and Pentecostal leader in the global healing revival. So this guy was a, was a big time um, evangelist. Fucking a lot of them. Quacks. Yeah, absolutely. This guy was, this guy, this guy was mental. His story is, is, is not to on. So anyway, uh, Jones became obsessed with the healing method, methods of William uh, Brenham, an evangelist who told people, he would tell people their name, their address and what was wrong with them before he would pronounce them healed. So he would just go up to a person and say, uh, your name's Myrtle, uh, you've got a sciatica, and you live in Louisiana. And she was like, oh my God, that's true. And he said, well, you're healed. <laughs> that's, right. that's, exactly, that's exactly what I was like. Well, you're healed. <laughs> uh, so Branham would attract thousands to his healing rally. Uh, I'm going to put in a little bit of some clips of, of this, if, if, if I can find. You're... You're, you've had a, I see a great crash of some sort. It's yes. an accident. Yes, yes. And you, yes. it was a car uh, wreck. Yes. And you were thrown in the air yes. like that. Yes. And it strained you in somewhere in your neck yes. and it's caused a, a cancer yes. to come into your neck. Uh, or, and you're some sort of a teach in the scripture. And you believe that Jesus Christ makes you well? I do. Father God, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, on the authority of God's word by a dying woman, I ask this evil thing to leave her. Satan, you are exposed. So come out of the woman as the church of the living God calls for you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Sister, just a moment. I just want to talk to you. Of course, you know it's gone now. Oh, yes. It'll stay that way. See how your throat left? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. It's all gone from her. The, the garter has left her throat. And she, God bless you. Go on your road now and be thankful. Happy and rejoice. And, and be, mm-hmm. So after sharing the pulpit with Jones, Branham heavily in, endorsed Jones's healing abilities. So much so that people started to believe that Jones had supernatural powers. So this guy started telling people that listen, I'm I can heal people, but this guy Jones is is something else. Like he was he was you know put them together. He made him his protege, uh, and with this, Jones's church began to take off, especially with African Americans. Jones would reflect the success of the church by renaming it the People's Temple. So he really renamed it the People's Temple, and. Um, uh, dozens and hundreds of, of African-Americans started flocking to this church. 
Jones adopted one of the latter reign's key doctrines with the People's Temple, and that was the manifested sons of God. Latter reign promoted the belief that individuals could become manifestations of God with supernatural gifts and supernatural abilities. They believed that such a manifestation signaled the second coming of Christ uh, and that uh, the people endowed with these special gifts would usher in a millennial age of heaven on earth. Jones used this theory to promote his own utopian ideas and eventually the idea that he himself was a manifestation of God. He began to refer to himself uh, as Christ the Revolution. Christ. <laughs> it was like, um, please put your hands together for Christ and the Revolution. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> he, he, he's like, y'all need to wash yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> so later he was actually, uh, later he claimed he was actually the embodiment of the prophet Elijah. And that God had spoken through him and revealed that the end of the world was imminent. So the usual stuff, end of the world, I'm God, uh, print usual, revolution, bullshit. usual bullshit. So Jones separated from Branham and the latter reign movement soon after, as Jones uh, strongly disagreed with Branham's teachings on race. So Branham uh, started teaching that black people were descended from serpents, the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Oh fuck! Yeah, so he his 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 teachings turned, and Jones like was disgusted by this. Immediately, like no, was absolutely no, no, no. disgusted by it. Um, so the disagreement became so bitter that Jones publicly prophesied Branham's death during one argument. So they were wishing death on each other. These evangelists cursing each other. So having separated from Branham, Jones became interested in the teachings of Father Divine. It was another absolute no case. <laughs> uh, Father Divine was an African spiritual leader whom Jones had met in Pennsylvania. Divine actually claimed to be God. <laughs> so whereas Jones was actually, was obviously sceptical of this ridiculous claim, he was intrigued by Divine's ideas on communal living and his numerous contributions towards his followers' economical economic independence and racial equality. Obviously, if Alder Divine was uh, was uh, African, he was heavily involved with the rights movement. Uh, he heavily believed in in, in in banded together as a commune to protect each other and to pool each other's, you know, their money, their safety, their their talents. But he was also a stark raven mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, with all of this, oh, by the way, I'm God. Uh, however, one particular, <laughs> however, one particular trait from Father Divine would shape the future uh, of Jones's movement, uh, i.e., progressively implementing the disciplinary practices he learned from Father Divine into increasingly taking hold over the lives of the members of the People's Temple. So he used this guy's teachings to kind of insipidly take control of the people who were following him. Um, so in 1960, Indianapolis Mayor Charles Boswell appointed Jones as the director of the local Human Rights Commission. Jones used his position aggressively to push his agenda on radio, TV and through newspapers. The mayor and other commissioners asked him to curtail his public actions, but he refused. Joan, Jones was wildly cheered at a meeting of the NAACP and the Urban League when he encouraged his audience to be more militant capping his speech off 
with let my people go. So through actions like this, Jones was beginning to earn a reputation as a folk hero who stood up vigorously against racial discrimination. Now, when I was reading through this, I was actually amazed by the amount of stuff that this guy did yeah. uh, for the racial cause. Like it's, I'm going to go through it now, but it, it's, it's really, it's really incredible. Um, and it, 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 it really makes you question what you think of this guy. And obviously yeah. it, all, it all goes to shit. And you question his motives. You question whether, you know, was this all, you know, in the pursuit of, you know, of never being alone and get, grabbing a huge cult and yeah. or start his own church or, or what it was. But God, it like whatever, whether, whether this was a business or whether this was something that was genuine, you know, genuine, he, he was, he was committed to it. Like, um, he would arrange protests and boycotts of establishments that would not serve black customers. He would actually uh, investigate and hire investigators to find these places and boycott them. He would remove racist graffiti and financially help those who were victims of racial violence. Uh, in a very, very well-known story, Jones was accidentally placed in an all-black ward in a hospital after a collapse in 1961 and refused to be moved back to the white ward. Instead, uh, he would help the nurses to care for the patients, change their bandages and change the bedpans of those in the wards. When news of these actions hit the press, it caused a massive reaction that led to the desegregation of hospital wards in the state of Indiana. So huge, wow. huge thing. So Jones and his wife even legally adopted several non-white children into their house. They had they had one uh, biological child of their own and they... they um, Adopted Mexican children, black children, and Native American children. And Jones started referring to them as his rainbow family. Now, it's in no way an overreaction to call Jones an unrelenting voice in the battle against racism. By the beginning of 1961, Joe, Indiana was almost entirely uh, an integrated city. And a huge part of that was part of the amazing uh, work done by Jones and his followers. Like, this was not you know, light work. This was oh. actually revolutionary changing yeah. work that was changing yeah. communities and changing people's lives for the better. At this time we will receive our offering. Would you do me the kind favor because I'm not feeling my fingers or my lips and I'm speaking somehow I don't know how. <laughs> but uh, it's a kind of a strange feeling that I went through. First it was vomitous and enormous pain, gastric pain. But as I said, it never caused me to get off my feet. You say, well, why do they do that to you? My, do you need to ask why they do that to me? They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They shall revile you. They shall say all manner of things falsely against you. They shall do unto them everything that they wish to do and even kill you thinking they do God a service. And if you're not getting persecution, you're not living godly. So I have my credentials. What about you? If you're not getting persecution, you ought to ask why. Because when you live for truth, you'll be persecuted. And if you're not getting persecuted, you're not living the just life. You're not in the body of Christ, the body of this revolution. And of course, because of this radical action and its amazing results, Jones and the People's Temple were victim of white supremacists who committed several acts of vandalism against Jones and his followers. There were threatening and abusive calls uh, there were letters, swastikas were placed at the temple. 
There was a stick of dynamite left in a, a Jones's coal pile. Jesus. And a dead cat was left outside of Jones's house in one occasion. Ew, what the fuck? Mm. And the, the, they're white supremacists. <laughs> That's fucking white supremacists, crazy, crazy bastards, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, give him a dead cat, that'll show him. <laughs> However, through all of this, uh, rumblings began to emerge that all was not as it seemed uh, in the world of Jim Jones and the People's Temple. In 1964, Jones was ordained by the Disciples of Christ, a group which lent legitimacy to the People's Temple, but also afforded Jones the freedom to pursue his own political and moral agenda. So Jones was ordained as a disciple uh, a disciple minister uh, at a time when the requirements for ordination varied greatly and disciple membership was open to any church. Between 1966 and 1977, the disciples' leadership received numerous allegations of abuse at the People's Temple. They conducted investigations at the time, but found no evidence of wrongdoing. I'll get into what those abuses were next week. Uh, Disciples of Christ found the People's Temple to be an exemplary Christian ministry uh, overcoming human differences and dedication to human services. However, since uh, then, many have surmised that Jones's generous donations to the Disciples of Christ over the years may have dissuaded them from acting on any evidence that may or may not have been discovered. The People's Temple contributed $1.1 million, which was a lot more back then, to the denomination between 1964 and 1977. So I presume that's like five or six million today. Yeah. More, yeah. it's a serious amount of money. Mm. Yeah. Despite all of this, it's impossible to deny the success of the People's Temple and Jim Jones in those early days. He had taken what he learned from the likes of Burnham and Divine and constructed a religious and social movement which had affected great change in a time when it was desperately needed. And they actually made a real difference. Jim himself was absolutely adored almost unanimously by an entire race of people, as he had always wanted since his days as an awkward and odd child. If Jones' story had ended here, he would be heralded today maybe in the same breath as a person like Martin Luther King, despite the fact that he was white. However, as we all know, Jones' story did not end here. And Jones has gone down in history as one of the most notorious and destructive cult leaders of all time. So next time on Miscellaneous Most Irish, we will discuss further the allegations of abuse against Jones and his temple, the waning of the political and religious support, his paranoia, his drug abuse, the murder of a congressman, and ultimately mass suicide on an unimaginable scale. I never heard a man speak like this man before. When you were here, were you a true believer? Oh, yes. This was utopia. I believe that. I never heard a man speak like this man before. Uh, so, folks, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did the first part of uh, the Jonestown Massacre, which was um, a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. A terrible thing. I think at the time... Um, it was very, 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 very almost complimentary mm. Um, mm. of Jim Jones. Of past things he did. Of past co- things a, he did. Listen, a stop clock mm. can be right twice yes, a day. Yes, absolutely. But I think, was, I think I it was important uh, to really paint this guy up because... Oof, yeah. ASMR. 
ASMR, Jesus they love Christ. it. They love it. Yeah. But anyway, to paint Jim Jones up as, you know, this saintly figure, because mm-hmm. this is how people saw him. Mm-hmm. And this is how he got 900 people to follow him out of America. This is fucked. Into a commune. Fucked, man. Give up all their shit. Give up all their worldly belongings. Get into the meat and fucking veg of what we are going to be talking about today, because an awful lot of this is crazy. And when I was when I was doing this, I was just like, "Wow!" This, I was like riveted. Lads, massive suicide. Yeah. Um, trigger warning. Trigger for warning. Of a mass suicide. But just, oh, even more so than that. A lot of shit. There's Please a lot of avoid shit. Avoid this. If there's a lot of shit, you don't want anybody's mental health to be but, affected by like, this. It was half between. It was like a, a thriller novel. With like the most horrific ending. It's fucking crazy. That there ever was. Crazy. Crazy. So we're going to start into this. I'm going to start off with this quote. What you need to believe in is what you can see. If you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. As you see me as your father, I'll be your father. For those of you that don't have a father, if you see me as a savior, I'll be your savior. If you see me as a God... I'll be your God. It's like grade A manipulation tactics right there, brother. Crazy stuff. They target and people who don't have money, don't have families, come from like bad backgrounds, who feel lost. This is what mm. they do. But this, that quote, I was just like, wow. The and arrogance. This guy is a, he is a factory for these quotes. He's an absolute factory. The fucking hubris like. Absolutely. Fuck me, bud. So last year we got Miscellaneous Most Irish we started the story of the People's Temple and its charismatic leader Jim Jones a cult leader who would be responsible for the deaths of hundreds of his own followers. We followed Jones and his life from growing up as a strange boy who was obsessed with religion to his adolescent years spent developing his own communist and socialist belief system to his years as a faith healer as, and as an evangelist we heard how he set up the People's Temple uh, as a place that people of colour could come to to escape persecution and to find a place in the world. Jones constructed an image of himself as a man who tirelessly <laughs> uh, worked to help minorities and to oppose oppression wherever he found it. And that is the Jim Jones that is going into this system. That's walking this, into this right now. Walking into this, we have Jim Jones building up the People's Temple, becoming an icon of a white man who was um, a freedom fighter for minority rights, uh, who had built up this this just image of everyone. And so we're going to 1961. Can I ask you a question yes. before you continue? Do you think he was genuine? No. I do not for one minute not think for a he was second genuine. you don't think I he get was into genuine. It later on. Okay, fine, I don't think he was genuine okay, at I all. Very, right. I people tell me stories. So around 1961, Jim Jones became obsessed with the idea that the United States of America was about to fall. He claimed to have had a vision of the US engulfed in flames after a nuclear war and set about relocating the People's Temple out of harm's way. So the People's Temple at this stage were in California. Mm-hmm. Um, he left the temple to fend for themselves and he went about searching for a suitable location to move the temple to in case his prophecy came through. So he basically just left the temple, got into a plane and head off, headed off around the world. Jones would travel to Argentina, Guyana and Brazil to assess their suitability for the temple and their receptiveness supposedly 
in his words, the receptiveness to minorities. He kept on coming back empty-handed as he claimed that the languages in these countries uh, was a, a setback for them and was worried that he was neglecting his own church uh, back in Indiana. So that was his idea. He went around the world. Um, basically, the church paid for him to go to all these places. And he came back and he said, oh, well, the language is... Uh, it's not suitable to us. Um, he was just having a little Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm neglecting the church here. So... In Jones's absence, the church had become divided and attendance had dwindled to less than 100 per service. Now, if you recall in the last thing, uh, the People's Temple were, draw- were drawn in huge crowds. He'd really tapped into the... Massive amount the, of people were... Yeah, exactly. The yeah. evangelist markets, the healing yeah. revivals. Yeah. They were really drawing crowds. And at this stage, it had dwindled to 100 per service. It was also in financial peril as the church had sent all of its revenue, all of its revenue to Jones in aid of the, re- the relocation effort. So tr- to bring the church back together, Jones began aggressively preaching about his visions of nuclear war and moved the church to Ukiah, North California for safety. So his thing was, they're coming for us. There's going to be a nuclear war. I'm having these visions. We so need to move to from where we are. So he kept on moving places and he kept on moving places. So uh, Russell Weinberg the People's Temple's assistant pastor strongly resisted Jones's effort to move the congregation and warned members that Jones was abandoning Christianity. Because this was all, like, a, it, this was founded in Christianity. Yeah, that's what the, the point of it was, right? Exactly. Well. So, Winberg took over leadership of the Indianapolis Church when Jones departed. About 140 of Jones's most loyal followers made the move to California, but the rest remained with Weinberg. So a lot of them saw, okay, this guy is like this. He's is, got a bit off the fucking charts at this point. Charts. Like, yeah. Now, once in California, Jones embarked on an aggressive recruitment drive. I'm down to 100 people in my temple. We gotta get I need some to peace. change things up. He became a teacher and used his classes to attract new members, using existing members of the temple. Uh, to persuade the classmates to infiltrate, pretend they were students, go into his classes like, and say, say, hey, have you like heard this Jim this Jones? Incredible. Yeah. Through persistent agitation, he also managed to coax most of the people who had stayed in Indianapolis uh, to join him in California. So as well oh, as co- coaxing these people, he had his followers in touch with the people who were in Indianapolis. So the people like, that stayed. Yeah, he was like, oh my God, you've off. made like a terrible mistake staying there. This is like his his vision is being realised over here. So it's just like, it's just constant it's manipulation. It's insanity like. So once the, oh, yeah, once the People's Temple had successfully moved to California, Jones began to more heavenly pursue the communist aspects of his doctrine and began to pray, portray himself as divinely ordained even more heavily. Uh, though he would play down his connection of the church outside the confines of the temple, which I, I thought was gas. He was like, hey, I'm God. Like, you know, come here. Like, I'm the messenger of God mm-hmm. to people privately. But in the media, he to people he was talking to, he portrayed it as a normal church. He was church. just like, I'm a preacher exactly. or whatever. Exactly. So he began to attack Christianity as being a warped construct and preached that the only way to truly be tr- close to God was to embrace socialism. He said, if you're born a capitalist in America, a racist in America, a fascist in America, then you're born in sin. But if you're born a socialist 
in America, you're not born in sin. This is what he was preaching to people. This is so, such a strange thing to be talking about in church. It does, it? but it, it, it goes back to, if you remember from part one, yeah. he initially was this is what persuaded he, this by, is what, what was her name, Maud or, or, or whatever, whatever this woman's Christian yeah, teacher's yeah, yeah. name was. And he took that and started reading about socialist doctrine so uh, that's what his initial kind of uh, yeah. game was. That's exactly. Well, I think okay. this, the whole thing is taking religion and taking taking socialism, taking communism as a like he was a child who was always alone, always alone. It's all it's so it, this is like it's community. It's yeah. group group. Everything is a way of bringing him being a magnet and drawing people, people to get into, towards into him. Giving my home, I, my home was turned over to the church. Approximately sixteen thousand dollars of the proceeds. Approximately twenty-five to thirty-three percent of my income for a period of twelve years. Uh, he's taking my money, my home, and my wife. The reason we wasn't in school very much is because most of the time they had us in the fields working, cutting great big tall razor grass and stuff. We got up at 6 o'clock and went to work at 7, worked till 12, and then when we get off we'd have school. Then we'd have a, a few hours off to take a shower and stuff. Then at night time we'd have to be at a meeting. Jones frequently warned his followers of an imminent apocalyptic nuclear race war. Jesus, where is it, Joseph? I know, right? And it's so funny because the, the first part of the story was <sighs> was slightly like normal, but this yeah, no, really gets into the weeds very quickly. Charts, yeah. He claimed that Nashist... That, he He claimed that fascist Nazis and white supremacists it would put people of colour into concentration camps if they had their way. Jones, which is not fair. He's too not far wrong. The truth. Like, he's fucking not he's wrong. He's not wrong. Jones said that he was a messiah sent to save people. Oh, no, this is not. He taught his followers that the only way to escape uh, the supposed imminent catastrophe was to accept his teachings and that after the apocalyptic war was over, they would emerge to establish a perfect communist society. So anyway, in the last episode, I alluded to the various allegations against the People's Temple that were leveled against Jones. So now I'm going to go into uh, this. Okay. Now this, there's a trigger word in here for sexual assault. There's a trigger word in here for, for manipulation. If you've ever read about a cult, yeah, everything you it. know about a cult is going to be in here, buddy. So as Jones's message spread, his wild theories and hardline attitudes made him become increasingly paranoid and controlling of his members. New members of the commune had to give up their possessions to the church in exchange for rent and board. He made them work on the agricultural sites that they'd set up to grow their own food and those who worked outside of the temple had to send every single cent of their income back to Jones in order to further the movement. They would receive a small allowance then to keep them going on the outside. When I tell you, I tell to go fuck Oh, big time. <laughs> so, the first known case of serious abuse in the people's temple not that that wasn't serious enough, uh, arose in California uh, as the planning commission carried out uh, a discipline against members who were not fulfilling uh, Jones's vision uh, for following their rules. So he had a commission that would go out and seek, seek them out. Jones's control over members of the People's Temple extended to their sex lives. <gasps> uh, some members were coerced to get abortions. 
Stop. Uh, Jones f- began to require sexual favours of the wives of some members of the church and raped several male members of the congregation. So at this stage, I was like, holy shit. Okay, I didn't actually know yeah. that. I thought I knew everything about that. Absolutely. Know that. This is apparently like... Uh, as this punishment like for a power stuff. thing with him a power him. thing big time members who rebelled against Jones's control were punished were reduced food rations harsher work restrictions public ridicule and humiliations and even sometimes public physical violence yes I remember this as the <laughs> temple membership grew Jones created an armed security group to ensure order amongst his followers and to guarantee his own personal safety as the sinister side of Jones's psyche grew so too did the People's Temple. They expanded to San Fernando, San Francisco and Los Angeles. They would infiltrate churches in these areas uh, with undercover members just how they did back in the schools in the dissenting parts of the or factions of the This is literally Scientology by Absolutely. Oh 100% that's exactly what I was talking It's fucking Scientology. Fucking crazy. So they'd infiltrate them with undercover members who would quietly spread Jones's word and coaxed members to attend these rallies where Jones would be in front of them would be like you know his like Freddie Mercury bombastic like you know bombastic kind of, yeah. like frontman evangelist you know brilliant self. Jones became active in San Francisco politics and was able to gain contact with prominent local and state politicians. So once he'd done that, he went into politics. Thanks to their growing numbers, Jones and the People's Temple played an instrumental role in George Moscone's election as mayor in 1975. Moscone subsequently appointed Jones as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission. So this guy was in everywhere. Oh my, I did, I missed all of this, mm, Colin. He would host local political figures at his San Francisco apartment for discussions. In September 1976, Assemblyman Willie Brown <laughs> served as Master of Ceremonies at a large testimonial dinner for Jones attended by Governor Jerry Brown and Lieutenant Govern, Governor Mervyn Diamond. At the dinner, Willie Brown toted Jones as what you should see every day when you look in the mirror. He said he was a combination of Martin Luther King Jr. Stop. Angela Davis and Albert Einstein. Keep Angela Davis' name out your mouth. This is it. Harvey Milk spoke to the audiences during the political rallies held at the temple and wrote uh, to Jones after one visit. Reverend Jim, it may take me many a day to come back down from the high that I reached today. I found something dear. I found a sense of well-being that makes up for all the hours of energy placed in this fight. I found what you wanted me to find. I shall be back and I can never leave. Harvey Milk said that. Holy, this dude was... Oh my God. This Insipid. Guy, this is insane. He was in everything. Everything. Like everything. these are big ass names. Oh my God, like, These absolutely. aren't like little fish. These are like sharks. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So through through his connections to Californian politicians, Jones was able to establish contacts with key national political figures. Jones and Moscone met privately with vice presidential candidate Walter Mondale on his campaign plane days before the 1976 election, leading Mondale to publicly praise the temple. First Lady Rosalind Carter met with Jones on multiple multiple occasions, corresponded with him about Cuba 
and spoke with him at the grand opening of the San Francisco headquarters of the temple, where he received louder applause than she did. Jones forged alliances with key columnists and others at the San Francisco Chronicle and other press outlets gave Jones favourable press during these early years in Well, California. I suppose the thing about it is Carter was a Democrat, mm. Milk was a Democrat, mm. so he was obviously coming with the idea of oh, equality and, you know, racism to be completely removed from mm. the United States and all that stuff. So obviously mm. they were like, this guy's a good dude mm. because... Well, He's trying to do something good, but then he was raping people. Absolutely. So basically, this is this is the height of the people's temple here. They're like from way up. The next few pages, it all starts to. This is the downward spiral beginning now. But I didn't realize the power. Oh, big time! Like I didn't politically, I, didn't I wasn't either. aware of that, like at all. Because you, you you know what caused the the fall of the people's temple it was the politician that went mm-hmm. yeah so um, I was aware of that I was aware of that but I wasn't I aware of any of this other shit like, I didn't know Jimmy yeah. Carter's wife was fucking mm. but I'm just talking about Cuba yeah <laughs> the manager of the hotel and the security people came and said you better get up to your rooms there's been a shooting Grace and I knew then if Jim Jones is willing to kill a congressman he's going to take everybody down so we knew at that moment Jim Jones was killing everybody in Jonestown including our son so here we go this is the start the beginning of the end as the fellow says in 1973 Ross Case a former employee of Jones began working with a group in UK to investigate the People's Temple. They uncovered staged healings, abusive treatment of women, and evidence that Jones had raped a male member of the congregation. Reports of Case's activity reached Jones, who became increasingly increasingly paranoid that the authorities were after him. Case reported his findings to the local police, but the (laughs) local police took no action. Of course it did. Surprise, fucking surprise. Shortly after, eight members of the People's Temple made accusations of abuse against the Planning Commission and the People's Temple staff members. Jones became convinced that he was losing control and needed to relocate the People's Temple to escape the mounting threats and allegations. On December 13th, 1973, Jones was arrested and charged for lewd conduct for masturbating in the presence of a male undercover LAPD vice officer in a movie theatre restroom near Los Angeles MacArthur Park. On December 20th, 1973, the charge against Jones was dismissed, though the details of dismissal are not clear. The court file was sealed Mm. and the judge ordered the records of the arrest be destroyed. What was going on there? Money. Money. The increased government scrutiny led Jones to revisit his plans to take the People's Temple out of the United States of America. Yeah, I figured that's what was. He investigated sites in China and Russia while promising his followers that they would soon be moving to a socialist paradise. In May 1977, Jones and about 600 of his followers arrived in their new home, Jonestown, in Guyana. About 400 more followed in the subsequent months. Jones began moving the temple's financial assets overseas and started to sell off property in the United States. The People's Temple had over $10 million, $42,707,304 
in twenty twenty dollars today's money in assets at the time. Despite the negative press prior to his departure, Jones was still well respected outside of the People's Temple for setting up a racially integrated church, which helped the disadvantaged. To be noted now, the sixty eight percent of the Jonestown residents were black African American African American a young boy called this is fucking mad this part okay. right wait till you hear this a young boy called John Stowen was one of the people who went to Guyana with Jones the boy was the son of Grace and Timothy Stone however Jones who had had an affair with Grace in the temple claimed that the boy was his own biological son so he had the boy abducted Stop. and taken to Jonestown to avoid a custody a dispute in the estate. This promised, promised the boy's father, Timothy, to set up a group of concerned relatives to try and raise awareness that people were being manipulated to go or even abducted and taken to Jonestown. He took, he took his fucking son. Yes. Welcome to Guyana. After 10 years, Tim Stone returned with us to Guyana to see the remnants of Jim Jones' private empire, an empire he helped build, securing housing, a headquarters, and cooperation from the government. He had first come here as Jim Jones' most powerful aide, and then later as his fiercest enemy. The battle he lost to save his son is one story of Jonestown. He was the most blessed thing that ever happened to me, John Victor was. And he gave me so much joy that if I could have him for a day, I'd go through all the misery that the people's temple has cost me without question. So, in his quest to get his son back, um, he contacted California Congressman Leo Ryan. Yes, where this all goes to mm. itself. He wrote a letter on Stone's behalf to the Guyanese Prime Minister, Forbes Burnham. Uh, the concerned relatives began a legal battle with the temple over custody of, of the boy. Of their fucking mm. son. Most of Jones's political allies broke ties after this departure, though some did not. Willie Brown spoke out against the temple's purported enemies at a rally that was attended by Harvey Milk oh and Assemblyman Art Agnos, who I don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Mayor Moscone, from earlier on, uh, his office issued a press release saying that Jones had broken no laws and was being persecuted unnecessarily. Nevertheless... Sir, that's going to mm, come back to bite you in the arsehole. Nevertheless, Jones's paranoia... Uh, spiralled out of control and so too did his drug use. Yeah, I figured he was yeah. on a lot of fucking yeah. shit. So much so that he set up his own private army called the White Knights Fabulous. and their own even more militant sect called the Red Brigade to protect Jonestown. He would speak at length about the CIA and how they were trying to bring down Jonestown and used this as a justification to further isolate the temple and its people from the outside world. He began to push the temple's agricultural resources to their limits and had people work exhaustive stints, just basically hard labour. So he had a 68% mm. African-American yep. congregation that he was working for no money yep in fields I did not see any irony in this whatsoever yep. well we're, we'll chat about that later on Jesus so all the while Jones's drug use was becoming more and more public 
he was basically seen uh, drunk and disorderly in public. He would go around to people slurring his words, being noticeably high, urinating in public, doing all sorts of mad shit. Um, Elva. He had loudspeakers installed around Jonestown and he had his sermons played on a constant loop. This sounds like literal hell. So the entire community had to listen to them. Jones began to propagate his belief uh, in what he termed translation. Uh, Once his followers settled in Jonestown saying that we're going to translate, we're all going to blissfully die together and make it as one community, one socialist community to the afterlife. This is obviously tremendously important as we come up. Meals in Jonestown were meagre. The workers were hungry. After spending all day working, the community gathered each evening at the central pavilion and Jones would preach and feed them, basically. His sermons generally lasted for hours uh, and most of the community were sleep deprived and forced to stay awake by the White Knights and the Red Brigade. This man is on so much cocaine. Oh, crazy. So we're getting now to the very, very end of this crazy situation. You know a sad tool though, mm-hmm. though, you think about it. Oh, it's fucking horrific. These people were like looking for a better life. Absolutely. And this is where it's ended up like. It's, it's just awful. it's just something else like. I feel so bad for them. Like We'll get to the end of this and we have a chat about it because I very much few opinions on this. Yeah. So in it, November 1978, Congressman Ryan, from earlier on, who's the man spoke to, yep, yeah. uh, led a fact-finding mission to Jonestown to investigate allegations of human rights abuses. His delegation included relatives of Temple members, an NBC camera crew, and reporters for several newspapers. Jones hosted a reception for the delegation that evening. He welcomed them with open arms. He was like, we have nothing to hide. Yeah, that's what they do. Um, He hosted in the Central Pavilion, uh, during which Temple member uh, Vernon Ghostney passed a note uh, for Ryan to NBC reporter Don Harris. So he was like, passing notes, people were passing notes around. And he requested assistance for himself and other Temple members uh, who who wanted to leave, who were desperate to leave, who were terrified, who felt they couldn't leave. Uh, 14 more Temple members asked to leave. And Ryan made a stand uh, and convinced Jones to let these people leave. So Jones, of course, was like, everybody's free to leave Jonestown. People are here of their free will. And if, if you're not here of your free will, of course you can leave. So they all tried to leave. <laughs> and they were escorted uh, to the airport Uh, where Ryan's delegation boarded two planes uh, at the Port Kituma airstrip. So, once they did that, uh, the Red Brigade of Armed Guards arrived and began to open fire on the people getting onto the plane. The gunman killed Ryan and four others uh, near the twin Otter aircraft that they were about to take off on. At the same time, one of the supposed defectors a man called Larry Layton drew his weapon and began firing of the members of the party. So it was an inside job. He, it was it was a setup. The person setup. who had one of the people who had had asked uh, this and is a setup. Was a complete set setup. Set it up. Uh, Cess, um, NBC cameraman Bob Brown was able to capture uh, some footage, yeah, which was recovered uh, of the first few uh, seconds of the shooting, just before he himself was killed by a gunman. 
the remainder of the group escaped into the jungle to avoid being killed. Like, what the fuck did this dude think was going to happen? Mm. That he was just going to do this and get away? Mm-hmm. Oh my But he didn't. He, he didn't. didn't think he was going to get away with this. Because when Jones heard that some of the group had escaped, he immediately gathered the members of the temple into the main <sighs> pavilion of the, of the square, of the commune, and told them that if this had happened, they killed a congressman, and that the US government would not stop until they had wiped out every single man, woman and child in Jonestown. That none of its members uh, would be allowed back into the United States and that the military was on the way to murder them all. <laughs> it was then that Jones decreed that the group should commit revolutionary suicide. Oh my God. Or complete revolution. His words commit His revolutionary words suicide. suicide. Yeah, exactly. Which Jones would record in its entirety. This fucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jones had taken large shipments of cyanide to Jonestown in the prior November. The reason he gave uh, was for the supposed uh, purpose of cleaning gold. Mm-hmm. Like this wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. The cyanide was mixed with large vats of Kool-Aid. And placed in the central pavilion. One member of the temple, Christine Miller, dissented to, and this is all on the tape, dissented towards uh, what was happening. Uh, when the members wept uh, and encouraged her with what she was saying, Jones counselled, Stop these hysterics! This is not the way for people who are socialists or communists to die. This is no way for us to die. We must die with dignity. Don't be afraid to die. So Jones directed that the children be killed first. This motherfucker. Yep. This motherfucker. His wife, Marceline, uh, protested against the killing of the children. She was forcibly restrained and then joined the other adults in poisoning herself. I got it. So... Basically, the children died. The children, just the as children, an aside, yeah. there were parents yeah. feeding this Kool Aid to, to their the children. children. So after the children uh, died, Jones said, "We didn't commit suicide. We committed a, an act of revolutionary suicide, protesting the conditions of an inhumane world." It was then that over 900 people either ingested the Kool-Aid laced with cyanide of their own free will or were uh, taken and injected with syringes. Yeah, they were forced to. Only 85 members of the community survived. There were various people. Uh, Some people slipped into the jungle just as the ritual began. One man hid in a ditch, one woman uh, hid in her dormitory and actually slept through the events, only awakening to find everyone she knew dead. The Jonestown basketball team was away at a game, so lucky them. Uh, other, others hid in their dormitory or were away from the community on business. So this mass murder-suicide left a total of 900 inhabitants of dead. Jonestown dead. And a fucking disgraceful and tragic 304 of them were children. 
was the greatest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act until September 11th, 2001. So that is the absolutely awful just and horrendous conclusion to the story of the Jonestown Massacre. Like, it just went from mm. zero to 100. It went like from zero to 100. Three seconds. I like the thing about it is as well, as I said to you, this man had a 68% mm. African-American or black congregation. Mm. And his whole thing at the start before all of this was, uh, you know, civil rights to black people, the treatment, equal treatment of African-Americans in America. He wanted to be to treat them properly for mm. them to receive the same rights as everybody else and then he kills Killed. 700 of them but this is what we're talking about I 100% believe from reading stuff watching documentaries I watched a, a fucking amazing documentary um, on YouTube which I'm, I'll send to you if you're able for it um, like I'm convinced that since this young fella was like a little weird child. Yeah. That this was his goal. Was his end game. I'm 100% sure. Do you think sure it was because he was a psychopath or do you think it was because, well, clearly he was, it was because mm. he wanted other people to feel the pain that he had felt? I think that he felt alone for his entire life. He felt cast out. He felt, um, unwanted unloved and he through religion through socialism Excuse through me. doctrines figured out when he read Mein Kampf and he read Stalin's mm. doctrines mm-hmm. and when he read all these papers he was figuring out a plan not to help people but to become the absolute antithesis of everything he was as a child Adulation, adoration. Yeah, he's calling himself a god. Like I don't know if he. I don't. I don't think he wanted to kill everybody initially, but I think but just he the, wanted the switch from like. But is it a mm. switch? Is but you can't play, downplay like, the amount of drugs that apparently this guy, this guy was guy on. Was on fucked on of drugs, but mm. for him to to make nine hundred people mm. take their own lives. But it's power. Oh, it's, it's power. A person who is power powerless. Corrupts What's the ultimate power? Utterly, like the ultimate power is to make to be able to make somebody take their take, own life. To be like, I have control of your entire life. Yeah, but so like, much so that you can say, snap your fingers, say something crazy, and nine hundred people are dead. I just because not even like that he had the power to make a certain amount of people complete suicide. Yeah, that he had the power to force a certain amount of people. To kill children, children, to kill, like, to kill people who like were like, thought, oh, we don't believe in this, we don't want this, like to, to, to restrain like them parents, and, and inject them with cyanide. Like. Parents feeding their children mm. cyanide laced mm. Kool Aid. But you know, do you know what I thought as well? I ju- <sighs> like the whole drink the Kool Aid thing, and you know, it's been in several references and several a, like comedy a, shows. Yeah. And, and now it's like. You know, it's like, fuck, man, that came from yeah. a mass suicide. I never realised, like, the fucking horror, horror of this. Like, could you imagine being, could you imagine, as you said, that girl that slept mm. through it? Yeah. Could you imagine walking into that room? But, um, if you recall, the last episode, people Stop. were buried underneath people. Yeah. 
people were collapsed on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Like some people were three people deep. Deep. Yeah, like and cyanide is a horrific death. Like horrific. Like it's not even like, oh, I go to sleep. It's like, horrific. Even the, the, the quote that I used to start off this thing last week, you know, the guy was like, oh, takes a licking and keeps on ticking where the hand was sticking up with a watch on yeah. and the watch was still going. Was still going, yeah. Like, the, and might sound like a fucking crazy thing to say, but the person who said that was like, there was literally nothing you could do about mm. it. Everyone who, the, the, the cleanup crew that arrived there were just traumatized. traumatized. How would you not be fucking traumatized? It was like the most fucking... Colin, you did a fucking phenomenal uh, job. Hellacious fucking scene. Honestly, well done. Because, Thank you. Uh, it was incredibly well written and mm. really well researched and I'm a... Mm. <sighs> yeah, it's a lot. What do you say to that? Yeah, and that's the story of Jim Jones. That's fucking crazy. Well mm. done, Colleen. Thank you. Yeah. So, folks, um, that's it for us today. I know it's been a very, very emotionally charged thing. But listen, Emma's been sick. Sarah Jane's been away. We're trying um, our best. Absolutely. <laughs> I just had a... Colin's doing an amazing I had job. a kind of a moment just reading those comments Colin's today. doing an amazing And it was job. completely by accident because I just wanted to... I just wanted to put an open update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, what are these? And I was like, oh... <laughs> so anyway uh, thanks a million for thank all the you, support everybody. thank, thank you. you for opening up to us yes. we feel we really love you. Yeah. thank you so 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 for so, myself so and Emma and Sarah Jane wherever she may be wherever she is good night god, god bless god bless what did good night god bless is that what Gabriel used to say at the end of the late day show no, god, he, night, god bless he was like he was like, he was like we'll, ne- we'll never have a gay on this I show I love Jesus and the abortions are yeah, wrong oh god we'll never have we'll never have Elton John on this programme we say TG PG TG PG talk to you later but does the GB stand for gay burn god bless no right TG thank god PG please god GB god bless so what's it? TGPGGB. TGPGGB. That's it. Can we get a teacher with that on it? <laughs> in the Father Ted. In the Father yeah. Ted uh, pod. Right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. There was something wrong. It didn't seem like no freedom. It looked like he had no freedom to go or come where he wanted to do. And after a while, he, he made a public announcement that you, nobody could go back. He wouldn't let anybody go back to the fascist state of the United States is what he said. He said if you go back, you go back in a box or you'd have to... Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon. Featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain. Along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story. Whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show. Murder Most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favorite albums but wait there's even more how about mmi drive the fan favorite podcast show where emma and sarah jane drive around dublin talking about all sorts
to shout plus our monthly Ask Me Air segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros.